You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Church. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Let's jump in. Um, all right, so Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to uh, talk through this. I'm going to talk through this. Uh, but Matthew 18, verse 1, and it says this at the time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? We're in this series called The Heart of a Child, and this will be the last message I actually do on this next week. We're going to have a family Christmas service together, so all the kids will be in here, everybody in here together. It's going to be fun. It's going to be loud. It's going to be a good time. You'll enjoy it. Kids are going to have a great time with it as well. And um, uh, uh, you'll really appreciate and love your children's ministers after next week a whole lot more. So Matthew 18, chapter, one, uh, chapter 18, verse 1 again, it says that who's greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He said uh, he called a child to himself and set him before him or before them, the disciples. So the, the disciples were asking the question, uh, who's the greatest? In other words, they had been doing ministry for long enough. They got to the place where they had, you know, probably seen some miracles. They probably had done some stuff. They had been in ministry long enough that they began to view themselves as important, more important than the ministry that was taking place. And it's always something you have to watch out for. You know, the longer you serve Christ, this is a trap that anybody can get into. The longer you serve Jesus, you begin to think it's more about you than about him. Uh, it's what I do that matters. It's really not what you do that matters. It's what he does that matters. Because if he doesn't do it, what I do really is not making a whole lot of difference. You understand? It's... I mean, the preaching of the gospel, I'm telling you, you preach enough messages, you begin to, well, I could do this on my own. And that's, you. I tell you what, you'll get in a situation, and I'm just giving my example, I'm not speaking for you, speak for me. You you forget to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit, it gets really easy. Because when you write enough messages, I mean, you, communication is a very interesting thing. You, you can, look, I can know, I know how to move a crowd. I know how to do it. I don't try to do it anymore. But I look, there's all kind of tools and tricks and they teach you the stuff we've been buying. There's all kind of natural methods to woo a crowd. I mean, you watch enough TED Talks, you can figure it out. <laughs> but this ain't a TED Talk. This is if Jesus isn't moving and speaking to our hearts, then uh, the speaking communication part of it is just somebody doing a talk. We don't do a talk. We preach the gospel. There's a big difference in the two. So when I say that... <clears throat> He, he did this for the disciples, not for the crowd. He, they could understand it, but he did it for his disciples to say, uh, guys, you're losing the picture here. You're not the most important. And he said, truly I say to you, unless you're converted and become like children, you'll not enter into the kingdom of heaven. For whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives such a child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned into the depths of the sea. And that's Jesus speaking for all the people who think Jesus never confronts anybody with their issues. That's, that's just not true. Um, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I love how people want to take the Trinity out and, and exclusively remove Jesus from the two and say, well, Jesus is, you know, over here he loves everybody, he approves of everything. No, he doesn't. I mean, this, if you've seen me, he said, you have seen the Father. And people blame God for all the wrath and everything else. And I was watching this documentary the other night uh, when I was stuck in bed. And thank God for my wife. She, you know, she does, like me, if you're sick in our family, I'll feed you under the door. Like I almost make you crawl to the door to get your food. I'm not going to get that close to you. And I blame this on my kids. I blame it on, uh, I say it's y'all fault. You know, whatever y'all had, I got it. But, um. Let me tell you, I rebuked it. Other people rebuked it. I fed it. I did everything you're supposed to do to against the cold. I did all of it, okay? Uh, water, fluids, vitamins, you name it, all right? But anyway, 
Um, Haley, she, she's just brave. I mean, she'll walk in the door. She don't care. She'll bring you food, love on you, whatever. I mean, she's just so gracious. God bless her when she's sick. I mean, I come in with something wrapped across Germex, Lysol, creating a fog. It looks like the glory of God when I walk in. Just descend upon the room and then I'll feed her and I'll run out the door. Text me if you need me, you know. But, uh, she did. She'd bring me food and everything else. Well, I, one of this, I was just sitting there, can't get move. And, uh, the, one of these documentaries came on, on, um, on National Geographic called, um, it was called Tales of the Bible or Truths of the Bible, something like that. Well, anyway, this guy did this whole truth and it was on Sodom and Gomorrah. And it was an interesting thing. So his thought was, he's not a believer, I don't suppose. But he was looking at it and saying, well, could it be true? Could it not be true? How are all these things lining up with what we read in the Bible? And he said, you know, salt, uh, uh, Lot's wife uh, uh, turned into a pillar of salt, right? And he said, well, that's probably a metaphor. We know that doesn't happen. But then the more he talked to the people there from a scientific and forensic evidence, they said, well, you know, actually, the way that this whole place is nothing but a petroleum you know, bank underneath with all this salt, with everything in there. All it takes is one small earthquake. The whole thing could be set on an inferno. And when I was watching it, I thought about uh, the things that people say so many times about God. How could a loving God destroy a whole city? Well, if you knew what those people did, you'd probably want to destroy them too. I mean, they had so many. And listen, this is not a pick or a jab, okay? I come from a, a, a very dysfunctional family. My dad, I got look, I got more brothers and sisters you don't even know about. All right, so I'm not even know about. <laughs> but just saying, there was a surprise there. It came along one time. We said, "Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, well." But it's just the way it was. I mean, so I'm not jabbing when I say this, but here's the reality: they uh, they didn't have uh, things like abortion. They didn't have things like uh, uh, contraception. They didn't have anything like that. So they had so many temple prostitutes and things like that. All this stuff was rampant in Sodom and Gomorrah. Such a great deal. There were so many babies. Where they began this process, let me not begin it, but it was very rampant there. This is where the uh, they would sacrifice their babies to the fire. By the by, the thousands. And it's not that God didn't give them a chance. God, God always gives people a chance to repent. But if you have this thought that, well, God hates people, he's the one that destroys things, and Jesus loves and redeems. I'm just telling you, you have a very misunderstood view of the Lord. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are the three in one. And these, I call them lying false preachers out there that try and tell you that somehow the Trinity isn't really the Trinity. I'm just telling you, you better be careful listen to this stuff. He is the Trinity, if you've seen if you've seen Jesus in the Bible and he reads it in red, if you've seen that, you've seen the Father, he said. And the Holy Spirit, as I'm going to read you here in a moment, the Holy Spirit will not tell you anything that his word does not confirm. So they're the three in one. And I don't know why I got off on that, but anyway, maybe it's the medicine. I don't know. But let me move on. Uh, so it's not mess, just some Tylenol trying to ease up some. Ugh. So anyway, um, when I close out this message today, I wanted to end on this whole idea of um, trying to have faith like a child. Because that's where we get, the idea that comes from have faith like a child comes from this verse of scripture. We say it all the time. It's really not in the Bible verse, but it's this is where we get it from. Jesus said, humble yourself like a child. So we say have faith like a child. And it's, you could, you could draw the conclusion from there, and here's why. Because children believe so easily. They humble themselves so easily. They just believe. And uh, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but we have been... Uh, we watched the new um, the Santa Clauses. This is the new um, on uh, the new Tim Allen uh, spinoff. That's the uh, series now. It's a brand new one. So we've been trying to catch up on that, and um, it's kind of silly, kind of funny. 
Uh, Tim Allen is to me a hoot, but um, uh, while watching that, every year we watch all these Christmas Christmas movies again. And the original Santa Claus, we always watch it. We just finished up Home Alone. This is like the first one we hit. And well, they think it's hilarious. My little one thinks it's so funny that guys getting hit with paint cans and they're falling out. She's just rolling, you know. Uh, the Santa Claus is an interesting movie because in that there is a question that comes across because the little boy is being back and forth from his mom and his new dad and 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 Scott Calvin or you know SC it's uh, Tim Allen and and mom and the new psychiatrist she's married is trying to tell him you know it's not possible for Santa Claus to how did he deliver all these presents and how does he and so he's questioning now his belief in Santa Claus and he asks his dad point blank he says. Do you believe, uh, how do you know if you believe? And so Scott Calvin answers with, well, sometimes believing in something means you just believe. That's pretty good. It's not theological, I understand, but it's a pretty simple statement from a movie star and from a guy who's trying to convince his kid about Santa Claus, which I would try to ask another question for all of us this morning, and that is this, is it difficult to believe. Like, is it difficult to believe? Because this is what Jesus is basically asking his disciples when he discusses with them how to humble themselves. But he said, as children, children believe very easily what I'm telling them. Let me ask you to a different way altogether. Is it difficult for a child to believe? And we know the answer is no. And we work so hard to convince other people of the existence of old St. Nick. I mean, and people are fine with that. They're great uh, when it comes to that. They'll do anything to go along with it as possible. But you convince them of Jesus and it's everybody's questioning everything, you know. They did a whole docudrama series on Sodom and Gomorrah that approved. Is it possible? And I love it. The guy's asking a guy down the cavern of this thing in the salt flats of uh, the Dead Sea area in, in where Sodom and Gomorrah once was. And they're basically asking the question, he says, so do you think this is possible? Could it have happened? And the historian, this Jewish teacher is talking, he goes, you're asking me, do I think this is possible? Oh, I will tell you, yes, absolutely it's possible. <laughs> I don't know if he's a believer or not, but the guy sitting there looking dumbfounded like, wow, man, you, know, you really believe this. He needs all this science. The guys are scientists too, but he believes it. And we explain, you know, when you think about it, just funny, the Santa Claus, just for a moment. How well it's done. They explain how does Santa get down a chimney. It's explained. You know, how does he travel? What about elves, sub-temperature living quarters in polar cities? How does that work? Flying reindeer. Snacks on Christmas Eve. You know a dad come up with that cookies and milk thing. Now, you all know it, right? Some dad just said, listen, you know, the elves are great, the reindeer's great, but let's come up with something different. Like, hey, cookies and milk need to be left out for Santa. I mean, it's just a great thing. Some dad, it wasn't a mom, I can assure you. She's like... So like, give me a break, you know. But my oldest, when she asked me this question, I don't know what age. I tried to find the photo, but I was so, uh, you know, I just couldn't do it. And it's on a server somewhere with all our other fold, uh, photos. This is, she would, she must have been, she was old enough to write, because I remember the letter that came after her. I should ask you about it. Haley knows. She'd remember everything. But um, Ava asked me one day, she goes, she's probably, must have been eight or so. She's so young. She goes, Dad, do you believe in Santa Claus? And this is, it is he real, something to that effect, you know. So I gave her the answer that's so unpopular, you know. I, I just straight up answered. She asked me, I told her, I'm not, I just told her. She asked me the question, I told her. I'm going to sit there and tiptoe around and come up with more stories. I'm like, we do it for fun, we have a good time with it and all that. But she asked me, so I told her. She looked at me, you would have thought, 
I just like kicked a dog, threw a cat off the roof, whatever. She literally looks at me with this disdain look that only a child can give after you've just crushed their dream. And she says to me, after you know, asking about all this stuff, huh, well, I do. And just went on this whole little thing. And I tried to find the picture. I couldn't find it. There's a, I have a picture of a letter she actually penned. And she basically was writing to Santa saying, please still come to our house even though my daddy doesn't believe in you. It, I couldn't find it. You remember that? Hilarious. She was, boy, she was. And it took, oh my goodness. Anyway, but we do this because it brings a lot of fun. And we have a lot of fun with this. We still have presents for Santa Claus. We have a lot of fun. But she asked me the question. I told her, you know, I just told her some stuff. And kids in the room trying to be cool. Trying to be cool. So... But if you tell people that Christ is real, and he was born in Bethlehem, and though there are verifiable, factual, no need for a theological viewpoint, nor a spiritual uh, position, verifiable proof of the existence of Jesus Christ with more than enough evidence to prove to you, with more than enough evidence than you have, and you have a little birth certificate, you don't know. How do you know they didn't type that thing up and give it to you? I mean, you just all you have is a birth certificate. You ask your parents, they'll tell you. You don't know. How much do you really know about where you come from? You, were you, do you remember when you were born? No. You got any proof? You can barely get back just a few years back. Some of you are like, I mean, when I was a kid, I'll tell you this and that. I'm just saying there's not a whole lot of... There's some pictures maybe and whatnot, but with Jesus, there are so many proofs. But yet people need all of this existence or all this proof to believe in him. And it's just funny to me, but when it comes to Santa Claus, people rejoice in trying to prove it out, you know. Like, we'll fight for that one. But when it comes to Christ, we need all of these extra, extra proofs. And here's the thing I want to share with you about this. True joy comes from belief in Jesus Christ. Joy, not happiness. Now, we can talk about happiness, but I'm talking about the joy of the Lord is your strength. But joy comes from belief in Jesus Christ. And your beliefs, in order for them to be produced, watch this, they must come from truth. This is why Christians are no longer happy anymore. Because we bought into... Whatever is palatable for people. Well, if it make, if it doesn't offend people, then we'll, we'll talk about that. But we won't talk about anything that is offensive because therefore it gets people uneasy. And if we make it water it down enough, then everybody will accept it and it'll be okay. And so as Christians, we yield our truth side hoping it'll be okay. But by yielding the truth side, we're no longer joyful because you have nothing to stand on because your belief is based on something not true. And strength, the joy of the Lord is your strength comes from a belief in something true, Jesus Christ. Now, fun stories are fun. What we do with Santa Claus is fun, man. We have a blast with it, but it's temporary. And in Romans 15, 13, listen to this. It says, now may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. In believing in what? Jesus Christ or Santa Claus? Jesus Christ. 
so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's the Trinity just right there. I, I didn't, he's, there's the Trinity in that one verse right there. But if you want to know where our joy comes from, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in what? Believing in Jesus Christ. That's where your joy comes from. By believing. Watch this. Not just in believing anything, but by believing in Jesus Christ. Well, I believe. I always love when people say that. Let me tell you what I believe. Well, already we got a problem. What is that? Well, you're going to tell me what you believe. Because you, when you start out with, let me tell you what I believe. Them eyes get you in trouble. I believe in this and I believe in that. Well, is it based on the Bible? Well, you know, I mean, I've always heard that. I've always heard doesn't count. Well, I heard the guy say on TV, that TV preacher, let me tell you right now, he's not living your faith for you. You better anchor your life on something you know is true. Now, I can't explain everything to you. I can't, there's a lot of stuff I don't understand. I can't figure out and understand the axis of the earth, temperature, differential, greenhouse gases. All, I don't understand all that stuff. It's beyond my pay grade. But I know this one thing to be true. I know the one that holds it in the palm of his hands. And I'm going to tell you something. You can dig all the oil out of the earth you want to. Run out. We live on water. I don't care what it is. As long as the Lord upholds the earth as the scriptures declare, earth's going to keep moving. Seed, time, and harvest. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed, time. You keep planting your stuff, it's going to keep coming up, baby, because God's got it right here in the palm of his hands. But I ain't going to listen to all this philosophical Christianity trying to tell me, well, you know what happens. And I'm not saying don't take care of the planet. I'm Take care of stuff. But have you ever wondered at one time to stop thinking about something? Could it be possible that all the problems we're seeing on the earth today with all this climate issue could be, it could be, I don't know, just a method in which God is using to say, get your attention towards the end of the age, you will see famines, floodings, earthquakes, destruction. Don't be disturbed by it because these are just the birth pains of what's about to come. Could it be? Instead of fighting over, it's the oil drilling. That's we're killing the whole planet. Instead of getting all torp and picking a side on that, what if God's using whatever he's using to say, maybe I ought to get our attention on God. But we want to pick a side over something on TV. Hey, look, man, I don't understand all that, but I know this one thing. He's upholding the earth, and he's big enough to do it. I don't have to carry the earth. I'm going to take care of it because it's the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I'm going to be a good steward of whatever I have. I'm not going to litter. I'm not a litter bug and throwing my stuff out. That's ridiculous. Throw it in the trash can. Take care of your issues, you know. But the Lord has the earth in his hands. All right, so is it difficult to believe then? I think it depends on what you believe in. If it's in Christ, he brings joy, not fun. Which one are you experiencing from Christ today? Is it joy or fun? Because fun is temporary. Now, you can have a lot of fun. He gave you some beautiful lakes to go fishing in. Gave you some great lie, you know, like, like uh, if you're a hunter, gave you some deer, gave you some stuff to go hunting. Throw that thing on your four-wheeler, bring it back home, whatever. He gave you some stuff to have fun. Whatever else you do, I don't, it, you can have fun, but fun's temporary. And you know the difference between fun and joy. Watch. Joy is eternal, fun is temporary. Now, here's how you know if it's fun or joy. Right now, everybody's having a whole lot of fun. But if it's joy... They come January 12th, January 25th, whatever time, you know, you get another present in the mail. Visa, MasterCard, American Express. When they send their gifts to your door, 
Are you still joyful? Are you still having fun? Are you upset? Because if you're upset, then I would question about some things that's going on right now. Because if you're building everything on fun, and it's over in January, you're like, now I'm no longer happy. Your stuff's not based on truth. You're just based on, you're in the game with the world. Have fun, have some presents, do whatever. But come January, y'all still be just as joyful. Not depressed. Oh my goodness, I can't believe we did this. Oh my goodness, look at this. It's just awful. And then you come to church praying, oh God, will you help me? Oh God, God will help you. It's called be a good steward. But that's biblical. We don't believe that. Well, I just believe God wants to give me. Yeah, but do you have the resources to handle it? Well, I'm just praying. Well, praying's good. But God tells us to be a good steward. Not to pray about being something more. Be a good steward first, and then all these other things will be added unto you. Anyway, so fun is temporary, joy is eternal. And in Christ, joy is everlasting without paybacks. That's what I love. There is no debt other than the debt we owe to Christ is our lives. I'm telling you, he doesn't come to you asking for repayment in January. He says, man, I'm going to give you a joy that's everlasting. That is unspeakable joy. It's a wonderful thing. So anyway, Scott Calvin says, sometimes believing in something means you just believe. But I would just question, what are we believing in? Is it based on truth? Or is it based on something that we have... uh, just assumed might be true. So let me throw out a couple of things um, to you this morning. I just want to uh, just share on this message, especially when we're talking about how children are. Children believe so easily. Okay, so easily. So as an adult, we ought to believe in Christ and his word so easily, but not just believe everything that comes down that we hear. God never called us to be gullible. He called us to be as, as harmless as doves, but as, as wise as serpents. Be, be smart about your faith. All right, so here, uh, what you believe in matters. And notice the word in, okay? <clears throat> what you believe in matters. Not what you believe. I can tell you a lot of stuff I believe. But what really, what you really want to know that's eternally, that makes a difference in your life, what does Pastor Jody believe in? Not what does he believe. Now, I believe a lot of stuff. I don't have time to get into some, I share some stuff I think is going to happen. But that's my philosophical guide points. You know what I'm saying? Things that I think, so I make decisions based on whatever. But I believe in this right here, his word. I believe in his word. I may not understand everything, but I believe in his word. So let's look at this. Because what you believe in matters because, let me ask you a question. What do you do? You'll find out what you believe in. Because what, what happens when your beliefs are confronted? I apologize for stopping to drink, but <clears throat> man. <clears throat> a little scratchy. What do you do when your beliefs are confronted? Can you back them up? Or do you feel like you do not have the evidence? There's a guy that, um, that I've read. My wife actually, Haley, got me a, a Bible uh, based by... Uh, one of his writings because it was, it was really good. I, I've never been one that really got into a lot of, of apologetic study, which simply means it's the study of the proof and the existence of uh, not just Christ, but of God, if you will. But I've never really gotten into a lot of that. <clears throat> However, in the last, I must say, when I started pastoring, it was an interesting uh, 
cross point in spiritual walk in America. Um, the Great Recession hit the year that I took, I started pastoring. Up until that point, uh, I was a kid's pastor. I did associate work as a pastor. Uh, I did evangelism, missions, direction, small groups, and all, just about every other thing else. But until 08, when that financial crisis hit, I saw something change that I'd never seen before. People, uh, as, a, as a general, I should say, a stereotype, people started questioning God more than they did before. I started seeing a change in how Christians started acting. The value that was placed on God's word wasn't near as important anymore as trying to be cool. And I mean, we fell into some of that pressure too. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, as a pastor, I fell into some of the same pressures of, because all these people are telling you, well, here's how you have to reach people. You have to be cool. You know, if you don't have enough light, then, you know, it don't work. If you don't have enough this, it doesn't work. If you don't dress a certain way, it doesn't work. And everybody's trying to tell you how to do whatever. And it really became a, this really odd, just odd season. But since 08 until now, but really, I'm telling you, really in the last five or six years, especially since COVID, I just, I don't remember a time ever looking at how many things people have questioned and no longer count as valuable, which only tells me something. It got me started on this whole discussion and study about apologetics, which only tells me something that they really didn't believe it in the first place. Because what you really believe in, you activate in. You don't need someone to show you the next step. If you believe it, you actually do it. Lee Strobel was an atheist. He was a journalist for, um, I can't remember the time, what the paper was. It might have been Chicago. Um, it was a big newspaper. I can't remember. I think it was Chicago. But anyway, he, um, he is an atheist. There's a, it's actually a movie out. I don't know if it's on Netflix or what we call it, The Case for Christ. It's a movie. It's a really good movie. Um, and it talks about how he struggled uh, with this whole thing of proving. He wanted to prove there was no God, basically, no Christ. So he went after all this... In, and studying, studying as a as listen guys an atheistic journalist uh, understand what he's doing so first of all the stack is against god going into it because as an atheist we've already decided well we don't believe in you now we're going to prove to everybody else you're not real so he thought as he got in there he finally converted and gave his life to jesus christ and this is what lee strobel said and this is why he said it would take, after his investigation and research, it would take more faith to be an atheist than to be a Christian. Because of, as a journal, now this is before journalism was uh, opinions. You used to have journalists, you know what I'm saying? Now we don't. It's just opinion now. They make up junk all day long. I swear, you think you can't trust some of the people in your government? These jokers on TV, they are lying to you every night. You, if you fact check half of what is said, I'm telling you, it's lies. I've never heard so much garbage in my life. But anyway, that's another mess for another time. So he said it, he found in his research, he couldn't even finish his research. There was overwhelming evidence in the existence of God in Christ. He gave his life to Jesus and said it would take more faith to be an atheist than to be a Christian. So then here are a few things. Why then did the skeptics throw out so many things against God? Well, let, let me throw you this. Um, Here's some of the greatest questions people ask. Why doesn't Jesus just make it easy for everyone and tell them who he is? 
Why don't he just tell everybody? Well, listen to what Jesus said. This is Luke 22. I'll put this on the screen for you, okay? Because I'm going to go through a couple of scriptures quickly. Luke 22, 66, it says, When it was day, the council of elders and the people assembled. This was the Jewish leadership. This was not the Roman government. This was the Jewish spiritual leadership of the day. They were those who knew the Bible the best. What they had, anyway, the Torah, the first five books. They had the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes. Guys, this was a big group of people. And they led them away to their council chamber. Now, if you've been there in Israel, uh, you can see this today. If you go into the side of the Western Wall, there is a place there where you go into, and it is this massive room filled with scrolls. And it's a big area. You could put, oh my goodness, I don't know. You could easily put a thousand people. I'm just guessing, maybe more dead, right? Probably, you know what I'm talking about? It's probably, it's big. They all brought him in there and had all these people in there and they're asking him this question. They said, if you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, if I tell you, watch. If I tell you, what? If I tell you, you won't believe. And as Christians, we get upset by this too. Why don't God just, I'll just pray that he'll show up in a dream for people and tell them who he is. Well, he might. He does that a lot, in, especially in, in Muslim nations. He does this more than you even know about. Um, and there's a reason for that. But I'm going to tell you something. Here in America, I don't see that happening. Because we have no excuse. I tell you, I think he holds us to a much higher standard than probably any other nation with the exception of Israel because we know better. And he said, why would I come and give you more miracles, signs, and wonders? I have given you the greatest thing you've ever been given, which is my word. And you have more of it than anyone else. If I were to come and tell you, you would not believe it. And then people say this, this is what I hear sometimes skeptics say, well, why doesn't Jesus give enough proof? Then everybody will just believe. This is Luke 16, 31. Jesus said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. We know this to be true. Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Guys, I'm telling you, I'm trying to be calm. Be calm because I don't want to lose my voice. I'm trying to be calm. From a fact provable point christ was alive he was dead he was resurrected they cannot find the body anywhere they tried he was resurrected and they did not believe they tried to hide the the evidence (laughs) it's just crazy that's why jesus was so angry with the pharisees because it wasn't because they didn't believe it's because they chose not to believe they willingly said i refuse to believe in jesus christ so, it is amazing, isn't it, how easy it is for believing things that are seasonal, how difficult it is to believe in Christ at His Word. So, this is when we'll get back to when people say, well, let me tell you what I believe. This is the statement. So, when a Christian asks me, what should I do? And I go to God's Word and I say, well, based on what you're telling me, let me give you a verse of Scripture here. Well, I really love Him. He's a great guy. And, uh, I, I mean, he's, he's fine. You know, I say, he's hot. I mean, he, he's like, whatever you pick, a tall drink of water, what are you going to call it, all right? And he, Pastor, he's just a really, I mean, he is good looking. That's fine. 
But you're telling me he's an unbeliever. Yeah. And I'm asking, what should I do? He's, he's asked me to marry him. Well, you say no. Yeah, but Pastor Jody, he looks so good. I said, well, but I just gave you a scripture. And I can give you more than that. It says, don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. Well, I'm, but I think I can win him. But that ain't, you're basing that on what you think. The scriptures say. But see, here's where you get into as a Christian. This is where you'll find out if you really believe what you say you believe. Because his word says this, but culture says that. Our Mr. Mr. McDreamy over here is looking at you with these blue eyes. And he's not, a, you know, he's not a believer. you got a choice to make. Or it could be the other way. I mean, she could be looking so good. And you're thinking, man, Pastor Jody, I mean, she, you know, I want to ask her to marry. Well, she don't love Jesus. And let me tell you, why is that so important? Now, it's different if you, I don't have time to teach on this, but if you're already married and you come to faith in Christ and both you were unbelievers, the Bible says stay with them. Because the, the believing spouse can win the unbelieving spouse over to faith. And I've seen it numerous times happen. And even if you don't, the scriptures say that the other is sanctified in the holy matrimony because of your faith in Christ. That's a whole different teaching I don't have time to get into, but I'm just telling you something to think about. But if you're not, if you're not nothing on the line, and you're saying, I'm about to sign a covenant contract with this person, and they're not a believer, I would caution you in that. Because you're not guaranteed you're going to win them over. And more than likely, what will happen is this. Chances are, because you rebelled against the Scriptures, it will break your heart in the long run. Yeah, but Pastor Jody, and I'll tell you how many times have I had, this is one, how many times have I heard people tell me what they think? And then they say, I'm a hard-nosed guy. Well, Pastor Jody, he's going to understand. Well, I get, you know, when you watch this long enough, you start going, you know, and it cause it ain't my, this ain't my first rodeo, man. I'm just trying to help you. I love you. As your pastor, I see you as a little sheep going bat, 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 out by the fence line, and there's a wolf dressed like a sheep, and you looking at him thinking it's cool, and he's about to gobble you up. Yeah, but I think it's going to be okay. I think I can win him over. You don't win a wolf into the flock. You find someone's already in the flock. That don't mean I have to be in this church, but y'all, y'all with me, right? Okay, all right, good. Let's move on then. <clears throat> the funny thing is at Christmas time, you never hear those conversations when it comes to Santa. I mean, I, I dare throw this out there. I think Christians probably have more doctrinal belief in Santa Claus and the process of how all that works than they do in faith in Christ. They can prove the story of Santa faster than they can prove the infallible truths of Christ. But anyway, back on my point, true joy comes from the Holy Spirit because he has the power to fill you and he lives within you. And all he asks us to do is simply believe in him. Now, let me give you a couple of scriptures and we're moving on. Uh, John 14, 16, I don't have the time to teach on this, but I'm going to read these and put them on the screen for you. Okay. Uh, John 14, 16, Jesus said, what time does that say? Oh, okay, good. I will ask the father and he will give you another helper that he might be with you forever. And who is he? This is the, let's say it together, the spirit of truth. He is who? Said together, the spirit of truth. 
And what does it also say next? Whom the world cannot receive. Because they don't see him, nor do they know him. But you know him. In other words, you believe in him because he abides with you now and will be in you. Jesus said, I'm going to give you another comforter, one just like me. I've walked with you every single day as, as, as your mentor, as your teacher, as your rabbi, if you will. And the disciples are saying, yes, you're the Christ. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to be just like me for you. What does that mean? If the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, then what is Jesus? He is the son of truth, if you will. They're the one and the same. Jesus said, the truth will set you free, right? If you know it. Jesus didn't mince words with people. Yes, he forgave. Yes, he redeemed. Yes, he restored. But he built that conversation he had with everybody. He reached out and said, you're forgiven. It was based on scripture, guys. There were provisions for mercy in the Old Testament. Forgiveness, restoration, it was all there. It's just these people had just gotten to a point where they no longer gave that to anyone. So Jesus came to restore that and then bring, of course, the new covenant, obviously. But John 16, 13 says, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, what's he going to do? He's going to guide you into what you think you should believe. He'll guide you into all the what? Truth. For he won't speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. Let me just encourage you with something real quick here. Um, the Holy Spirit will bring back to remembrance that what Jesus has taught you, but that which Jesus taught you is based on truth. If it's not truth... It's not God. And this is how you know the difference. If you say, well, I just love him and he looks so fine or she's so good looking. I mean, I got to marry her for I mean, I'm a loser. And they're not a believer. That's not the Lord. Well, how do you know? Because you're going against Scripture. And the truth of God's word is supposed to be first. This is where we this is our standard. Doesn't mean we're judging. It's saying this is what the God's word says. We base everything on that. Well, I just don't know, Pastor Jody. I mean, I really prayed about it. I don't care if you prayed about it. I don't care if you come up here and we poured oil on your head. It ran down to your toes. It's stuck in the cracks of the cuticles of your big toe. I don't care. You can pray all night long. You can tell me you saw a vision. You saw Jesus. You saw an angel. I don't care what you tell me. If you tell me. And it goes against this. Paul said, even if one comes preaching a gospel different than this, you are to reject it. Because you've been given something more powerful than a dream or a vision. Nothing wrong with that. But they all should line up with this. How do you judge those things? By his word. That is what you believe in that matters, not what you think. It's what we believe in, which is God's word. Because joy comes from believing in truth. Watch this, Galatians 5.22, we're moving on. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love and joy, peace, all the different things, but joy. Where does joy come from? From believing in truth. You want some joy in your life? The, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You've got to get back on this right here. The foundation of the gospel is God's word. Believing in what did the scriptures say. So, and I'm going to tell you, we love it. We're going to have fun this Christmas. We are. But there ain't no amount of cookies and milk I can have that's going to fill my cup more than the joy of the Lord. They ain't no, I mean, you move that little elf all over that shelf. It's fun. But at the end, when January comes along, that little elf goes in a box and is stuck in the attic somewhere. He ain't there to help you. But Jesus will be with you in January 
and in February and in March. And when you file your taxes, thank you, Jesus. Whoo, he'll be with you through it all. All right, so let me move on. Let me give you a couple of thoughts real quick. So seeing isn't believing. It's seeing. We really shouldn't tell children this. Because children don't really fall into this. You know that? We say it as adults because it makes us feel, well, seeing is believing. If I could see it, then you know it helps. Kids don't need to see anything. I mean, just, they don't. And just think about some stories. If there were kids in here, I'd really have some fun. But, you know, the stories, things like the tooth fairy, if you think about the logistics of all that and the idea behind that, you know, as an adult, I could just, if we were just all adults, I would just have some fun. But for a child, they just believe it. They believe it. And that stinking tooth fairy inflation has really changed a lot of things in the last few years. I'm going to tell you so this is what Ava did. So at the same time, she decided with this lettering thing. This is what she said to me. And I, I wish I could find the picture of this. I'm going to have to go back and search for it on my files. But um, she, she had this idea. Her, and you have to understand, at this time, she was very, uh, of course, she still is very opinionated. But she, um, she had a lot of, she was very persuasive in her thoughts. Okay. And so she said, all right, Dad, here's what we're going to do. What are we going to do? She said, I'm going to write a letter, and here's what I want. I don't want any gifts from anybody else except Santa Claus. So I said to her, you don't really want to do that, do you? And this is no joke. This is what she did. I wrote this down because I remember I had it in my journal. Uh, she said, yes, I do. And I said, you really want to roll the dice with that? You really want to take a role on that, huh? And I, I kind of convinced her. I think mom helped out. She started intervening because she, she's the, she's the uh, she calls me a peacemaker, but really she is. You know, I'm more of the, the peacemaker. Look, I don't want to fight with you, but I will to keep peace. I, you know, I mean, I'm not, she's more of like, let's, let's try to figure out how do we, how do we get everybody to sit down at the table together and let's work this thing out. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. But, my, I do it differently, you know? I'm like, just like I told you, this is what the scriptures say. We're going to line up to this, all right? So I remember her, she was having a conversation of something like, well, what if we did this? She was trying to navigate the whole thing. My thing was, I was going to do it. It was going to be a harsh reality lesson, but it was going to help my wallet a lot. I mean, Christmas was going to be like, I was like, hey, it's going to be a great Christmas, girl, you know? But anyway... Have you ever thought about this? You don't see the Father, you don't see the Son, you don't see the Holy Spirit, but you have great joy in your heart for what they've done for you. It's hard to explain, isn't it? But it's your faith working because you believe in something greater than what the stories are that go around. And so the final thought I'll leave you today is this. If, if Jesus brings you great joy, and if the Holy Spirit brings you this fruit, which is called joy... And God gives you this joy that's, you know, everlasting. Why do we feel like we need more proof of God sometimes than we do these other things we hear about? Why don't we just trust Him? You know, in John 20, verse 24, this is what Thomas, uh, you've heard this, and it's in all of them. Wouldn't you hate to be Thomas? 
of all the disciples, at least Peter, you know, denied him. The rooster crows. You know, you're in all the movies. But you get your moment back in the spotlight. You know, like Thomas is the guy that everybody remembers. You be able to in heaven. There's got to be something the Holy Spirit did to help protect Thomas because every time someone goes to heaven, they, you know, the question they're going to ask is, where's Thomas? Dude, what were you thinking? You know, they, they, anyway, but Thomas, it says in verse 24 of chapter 20 of John, one of the 12 called Didymus is his name, <clears throat> was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. Now remember, seeing is not believing. It's seeing. He wasn't with them, and they said, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails, and I put my finger into the place of the nails, where that was, and I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Unless I can see it for myself, the, which is what a lot of people say today. They don't mean it that way. Well, we'll find out, I guess, one day when we get to heaven. Well, that's a mighty big thing to say. I'm not sure I want to find out. If I'm right or wrong, I think I'd rather trust in this. Because this is what I heard one preacher say to me one time. <clears throat> he said, you know, I'd rather believe in God and look very foolish on earth. And get to heaven and find out. Or at the end of my life and find out, oh, I was wrong. Then live this whole life and look very wise in this world's eyes. And get to heaven and realize I was dreadfully wrong. Now that may seem too simple and not a lot of faith, but I think it actually says a lot. He said, I won't believe unless I can see it for myself. Jesus said, if, if I told people they wouldn't believe it, if I was raised from the dead, they won't believe it. And the ultimate thing for us as Christians is this, in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, Paul said, we walk by faith, not by sight. Like there are some things I don't understand right now, guys. I'll be honest with you. you know, just be straight up. Confessions of a pastor. Joey, he, he's been begging me to do this, like, this whole series called Confessions of a Pastor kind of thing. Like, brother, you really don't want me to do that because there's a lot of stuff that y'all don't want. I mean, like I could tell you stuff I don't understand. He ain't talking about like my deepest, darkest dungeon stuff. I mean, like, I just don't get stuff sometimes with things people tell me. But anyway, as a pastor, confession of a pastor, there's a lot of things I don't understand right now. I just don't. I can't figure out a number of things. Don't have to get into all that now, but I don't see how a pandemic pulls people away from God. I would think it would dream, bring them closer to God. I don't see how all the stuff we've seen the last, I don't see, I don't understand it. You know, but I ain't going to change my faith. Breaks my heart for other people, but it ain't going to change my faith at all. If anything, it's drawn me closer to Christ to see why. Lord, what are you doing in this season? So one of my favorite uh, common commentaries I read from is Matthew Henry. So I'm going to read this. I'm putting it on the uh, screen for you here. This is a quote by Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry, um, man, I don't have time to get in this. It'll just be a whole rabbit trail. Great commentary that w- he did this without Google. Gotta just be honest, he did this without Google. I have a lot of respect for these guys back then. When stuff we can write today is fantastic, but these guys did this based off of study, not an internet address. 
it's crazy to think how much they put together, what God did in them, and at a young age too, guys. So if you're in here thinking, well, I mean, I'm young and I don't know if what it, you know, it matters. What I, it matters. Many of these individuals, like Moody, I was reading the other day, he was like in his 20s reaching tens of thousands for Christ. Unreal. So <clears throat> anyway, this is what Matthew Henry says. Faith is for this world and sight is reserved for the other world. And it is our duty and will be our interest to walk by faith till we come to live by sight. I'm going to leave that up there for a moment to let you read and let you consider what he just said. I think it's really good. You're going to have to live by faith here. But one day, you will get to see the goodness of the Lord. You will get to see things that you've only just thought about here. And let's just be honest, if Paul said he was caught up into the third heaven and heard words inexpressible or inexpressible for human uh, for humans to hear. In other words, he was able to hear, he had a vision brought up, if you will, unto the Lord's heavens. Three heavens discussed in the Bible. You have what would be called, you know, from looking at this area, the natural heavens, which you can see physically. There's spiritual heavens, which are principalities, powers, might, and dominion, those things that are over different nations. There's the third heaven, which is the heaven itself. Paul said he was brought to the third heaven, and when he saw, what he heard was words, and it, the words were, in a, he had this inability to, to communicate with people. You would not be able to comprehend them. Not from, I don't think it's from an uh, intelligent standpoint, I think it'd kill you. In your natural state, we're not even, you can't even begin to handle what you're going to see when you get in heaven. That's why you can't do it in this body. I mean, if you, everybody that saw the glory of God, they fell down face pop first. Why? Their body couldn't handle it because this body is born into sin. This body is, is, is flesh. Until you are given a new body, and you can stand, probably lay down before the Lord in his presence. You're not going to be able to handle it. So he's giving you his word here to have faith and believe in his word, believe in him here. And there you'll live by sight. So I want to encourage you this Christmas as I wrap up today. Have a whole lot of fun. But remember where eternal joy comes from. And so this morning, I'm going to leave you with this last scripture on the screen as we pray for you. And uh, this is a scripture in First Timothy and I think it sums up real well what God says to us. But First Timothy, it's a, it's a song. It's actually a song um, that people wrote a song after this verse. But it's in First Timothy 1.17. And I can't remember how the whole song goes. I can't even sing right now anyway, so it wouldn't matter. But it says, now, you may have heard this song before. But um, it says, now, to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Have you, have you ever heard this song before? Y'all remember this? So, I wish I could sing, but it's, it's, it's a, to the king eternal, immortal, invisible. So he, Paul's acknowledging Timothy, who's a young preacher. You can't see him. He's immortal. 
He's eternal, but He is the only God. To Him be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. So this Christmas, you might not see what you want to see in life. But I'm just telling you, there's something deeper than what you see, and that's what you believe. As long as you believe in that which is true. So would you close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment while I pray for you? Father, in Jesus' name, I just want to thank you so much for your goodness and for your mercy. I thank you, Lord, that we have a lot of fun this Christmas. I thank you, Lord, that we um, follow you. And I thank you, God, that this Christmas we have a great time with our families. Make kids laugh. Have fun, Lord. But I think more importantly than that, Jesus, is that we would believe in you and that we have joy in the truth of your word. So, God, I lift up to you every person in this room right now who maybe doesn't know you. Maybe they're watching on broadcast right now. And maybe they've never made a decision to follow Christ. And so, uh, Father, I'm going to lead them in a prayer. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you tug on hearts in this room and in homes right now. When your eyes are closed, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Everybody in this room is going to pray. You're not going to pray by yourself. But if you're here and you say, you know, Pastor Jody, I, I believe in Jesus, but I've just never professed him as Lord. I've never accepted Christ as my Savior. And I need to do that today. I want to lead you in a prayer. And again, the whole church will pray with you. You won't be by yourself. But scriptures declare that if a man or woman believes in his heart and shall confess with his mouth that Jesus is Lord, they shall be saved. So that's what we're going to do right now. So just repeat and pray this prayer with me right now. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my heart and I give you my life. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I acknowledge that you are king and you are Lord and you are my Savior. And in Jesus' name, I receive you as my Savior. Amen, amen, and amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, come on, church, would you give me a hand right now? <clears throat> if you prayed that prayer, amen. And so um, if you prayed that on the screens, if you're watching at home or in the seat backs in front of you, you can do it digitally as well, connect.cornerstonerome. We'd love to help you get started walking with God. If you take a moment to fill that out for us, either in the seat backs or you know, online, either way, um, we'd love to connect with you and help you get started walking with Christ. Another thing we'd say is if, if you're new here or a guest with us, maybe take the time to fill it out for us. Let us know. We'll get in touch with you as well. Let you know more about the church, some things coming up, and some things we're going to be praying about, um, especially going into the new year. Um, so Gary's going to come up right now, and I just want to say, hope you guys, uh, next week as you come, uh, it's going to be an all-out family thing. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a great time, so come. Uh, it'll be the last Sunday of the year next Sunday, so don't miss it. Um, because the next Sunday will be online, broadcast only, because it's, it's on Christmas Day. And there's one thing I've learned about every Christian. Like, let me tell you who would show up. Every time I've ever somebody say, we should have one of those Christmas Eve services. Do it on Christmas Day. It'd be awesome. Let me tell you who shows up for that. Singers, preachers, and then everybody wants to, but when that day hits, it's just... It just happens. And so we've learned, look, if when it falls on a Sunday like that, we do something else, okay? Because we know, we know how it rolls. And that's fine. Spend time with your family. You don't get, you all just take time to spend, the Lord wants you to enjoy your family, okay? All right, so do that and enjoy that. So, hey, y'all welcome Gary uh, here this morning as he shares all that stuff he's got to share with you.
Thanks, Pastor, for pushing through today. I know that wasn't easy, so we appreciate you and that message. Our prayer partners are going to come up front now. If you need prayer for anything, when somebody didn't agree with you in prayer, these folks are up here today, and they'd love to agree with you in prayer. Um, I was just thinking that, you know, talking about believing and, uh, gosh, how much we don't know about God. I, I look at the, the creation that he's made, and every day we find out as they send this telescope out that the creation is far vaster than we even realized what we think up here. Uh, God is so big, and he's so big for you and your life. Whatever you need, he's there for. Um, don't ever minimize what he can do in your life because he is so big. Um, yes, three things. Next Sunday is the family service. And the kids are going to be in here. It's going to be, I won't say it's going to be wild, um, but it's going to be a lot of fun for the whole family. The kids are going to enjoy it, too. It's not going to be that they're going to be in here just squirming around and fidgeting. They're going to have fun, too. So make sure that you get here next week. Um, as Pastor said, uh, Christmas Day is going to be online only, so stay home. You can watch in your pajamas and with your hot chocolate and coffee or whatever else you're doing. So um, that'll be good. And then January the 1st, the first uh, service of the New Year is going to be English and S. Espanol in here. So you're going to want to come for that. That is going to be really good. If you've never met any of the folks over in Espanol, it's going to be a great time to come and get together to do that. So as always, we're going to send you out with a blessing out of numbers. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. God bless you. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.